school time. Many have already started, some are about to, and then there are those who remain in denial over the upcoming transition to more routine and having to get more done in a day. But I truly believe that it's super easy to have the best homeschool ever, whether it's your first or your 21st back to homeschool. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's show, I wanted to share a quick start guide I've told moms about for years. It's just a few very simple things that can make all the difference in how you start and actually even how you finish your homeschool year that I've found to actually change the world for me and my sanity when it comes to homeschooling and doing all the other things I'm privileged to do each day. Before we dive in though, I wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Alpha Omega Publications. You can simplify your entire homeschool year right down to the shopping with complete grade sets from Alpha Omega Publications. Containing all student books and teacher's guides available per grade level, each curriculum set contains everything you need to help your child succeed in up to five subjects. Best of all, you can save 20% now on all your favorite curriculum during AOP's Back to Homeschool sale in August. Call 1-800-622-3070 or shop online today at aop.com. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share each week on the podcast and to interview so many incredible men and women on here as well. If you know of another homeschool mom or dad who could benefit, would you help us spread the word? Share the Teach Them Diligently podcast with others. And if something really resonates with you, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast provider you generally use. That will help us reach even more families in the days to come. So now, without further ado, let's dive right into the quick start guide for this new homeschool year. Now for this session, I'm going to be really, really brief because this is a quick start guide full of practical ideas, but we're going to do this very quickly because I know that your time is really, really valuable and I don't want to take away from that. So I want to give you really palatable, really quick action points that are going to bring more focus, more peace to your homeschool this year that's going to allow you to have that longevity and that joy in what God has called you to do that maybe has been lacking before. Um, These are principles that I've learned after or through, I guess, the 12, 13 years that I've homeschooled so far. And these have been things that I've learned through messing up, through not implementing these, and things that as I've gotten older, I can kind of look in my rearview mirror and say, wow, when I was doing this, it was so much better. So we're going to talk about those things that, wow, when I was doing this, it was so much better. And I'm going to give you three quick points to quick start guide your homeschool year, have the best homeschool year ever. So let's dive into that. The first thing that I want you to know is that it is imperative, imperative, and I cannot stress this enough, that you absolutely know and understand why you're doing what you're doing. You have got to get down to that foundational level. And if you've heard me speak at all, you know that this is something that David and I are very, very passionate about. That's the whole reason that there is a teach them diligently. Because if you are just focusing on the act of homeschooling your children, you're going to be a statistic like so many others who drop out. There's got to be something bigger. Now, 
people start homeschooling for a myriad of different reasons and they're all valid. So it could have been that you feel like homeschooling was thrust upon you because of this pandemic. It's valid, but it's not a very big reason to do this, honestly, because the pandemic, Lord willing, will pass one day. Things will go back to a normal that we can live with, theoretically. Um, and so that if that is your only motivation for what you're doing, those hard days are going to come and you're going to have a really hard time holding on. If you've stepped back because of a bully or a bad teacher or any of these other things, true good reasons to start, but but those people are going to move on. It's not a good reason to stay. So I want to encourage you to really, really nail down why you're doing what you're doing. This, this adventure of homeschooling, this mission of homeschooling will become one of the highlights of your entire life. I promise you that if you keep it in the right relationship with your other relationships, with your other duties of what God has called you to do. For David and I, our reason for homeschooling, which we have talked about numerous times, was actually because we recognized when our children were actually pretty young that our time with them was short. We could not have fathomed how true that was, how short it actually was um, at the time, because you can't you can't fully understand that. But as a mom now who has three that have graduated and one in high school, I can tell you your time with your children is very, very short. So for us, the discussion about homeschooling centered around taking every opportunity that we were given to strengthen their faith, pass on what we knew to be true, help them have a foundation on which to stand as they become adults and to train them and equip them academically to be able to walk through whatever door God opened for them in the days ahead. So our mission truly came down to what our ministry has become. And that was, we wanted to teach our children diligently. We took the time way back then, again, not knowing, nobody told us to do this. So I want to, to kind of give you a little bit of a leg up. We, we kind of show our, our, stumbled our way through all of this, but I'm telling you now, Take the time, preferably as a couple, but separate. I'm going to explain that. Take the time to write down your why. How did God get you there? How was God leading you? What do you believe he is calling you to do and why? Do that separately. Like write it down. Take the time to write your story and your why down. Then take the time to come together and to discuss that. Why? Well, because I... I suspect your family is the same as mine. And that is when you're coming together and you're just talking through this stuff, one of you is going to really take control and lead that conversation, right? One of you is going to be the one who is really giving more of the reason, more of whatever. Generally speaking, in this situation, it's going to be mom. Um, not always, but often that's the case. What you lose is the reaffirming way that God has been leading your husband or your spouse as well. Um, so when David and I went through and actually went through this exercise, writing down, and every time that we revisited, I hear more of the story of how God was not only leading me, but God was leading him as well. And you see how God has woven all of this together. Your strength or your faith is strengthened so much as you see his hand in all of it, and you become that more determined to do what God has called you to do. Now, with our why, we stepped out in faith. We actually thought we were just going to give it a year. 
We had no designs on being lifetime homeschoolers, and we certainly had no designs on speaking to homeschoolers or ministering to homeschoolers. That was not at all on our radar. But what we didn't know then is that by taking that one simple step of faith, stepping out, pulling our children from the Christian school that they were in, that was great. It was a wonderful experience for our family, but pulling them out, recognizing God is calling us to do something different and determining in our hearts and minds that we are going to follow his call in that. What we didn't know was the doors that God was going to open because of that simple step of faith. We couldn't have possibly have understood the conversations and the relationships that we were going to be building with our children, the way that God was going to use all of this to grow our family in ways that we couldn't have imagined. Beyond just the relationships, though, God has allowed us to travel. God has allowed us to minister and serve other people together. God has allowed us to have a front row seat to see our children grow in their faith and grow in their love for the Lord, and then to start going out and ministering to others. That is amazing. Those are the benefits that you can't put on paper because you just can't even imagine. Remember, God's word tells us that his plans are so much bigger than ours. His his ways are higher and we can trust that and lean into that. But there will be really, really bad days. There are going to be times, seasons when you're questioning everything that you're doing. There are going to be moments when It just seems so much easier and it seems to make so much more sense to stop, to quit, to throw in the towel, to do something different. And having that reason, having that mission, having that understanding of why God has called you to do what he's called you to do will give you the intestinal fortitude to make it through those times that are so difficult. This is this is actually the main reason that I wrote the heart school class um, that I'm, I'm going to link to in the notes for this and give you I, like I think it's like 65, 60, 65 percent off um, because I really believe that every homeschool family will benefit from going through the heart school class. It's going to help you really focus in and understand your calling and your mission and the joy of what you get to do. Then it's going to help you step back and see how that mission is going to inform every single decision you make. The peace, the um, the joy, the order that comes by getting things in the right order that way is really, really incredible. Um, and it will it will fundamentally change the way your family functions, especially regarding homeschooling, um, because we know that homeschooling impacts every relationship, every way that you, you run your home, every activity. It just is a very impactful, somewhat disruptive thing if you're not viewing it through the right lens. So um, check out Hard School. I'll give you a link and all the information um, in the show notes here. It's also on the thank you page that you got when you first signed up. Um, but that really will be helpful with this first element of our quick start guide, which is to know understand, um, really systemize, write down, know for sure what your mission is, and then allow that to inform every decision that you make from then on out. And I could do, I literally did a whole class on this. So um, I don't want to spend too much time, but, but believe me when I say that if you take the time to do this, that is going to inform your curriculum choices, how you organize your day, what you say yes to, and what you say no to. 
um, how you interact with your children, what you prioritize, how you set goals. You know, if you don't, uh, part of this is understanding where you want to be. What are your goals? Um, so I'll also link David's ebook on parents setting goals. That's going to be super helpful for you. So make sure you download that as well and go through it. Because if you're starting out on a journey and you don't know where you're going, you're going to have a real hard time getting there and you're going to be frustrated and your kids are going to be kind of floating. So take the time to understand what's your mission, what are your goals, and then allow those things to inform your everyday decisions. And I promise you that will give you um, a real leg up on having the best homeschool year you ever have had. So step one to having the best homeschool year to really that quick start guide to your homeschool year is know and understand your mission and then allow that through the year to inform your choices. The second thing that I want to make sure that we look at today is to determine your non-negotiables. Um, now, this is what I mean by that. This is a really, really practical one, and it's going to look different for every person out there. Um, but as I noted a few seconds, minutes ago, I don't know, um, homeschooling is going to disrupt the way that you run your family. It's going to disrupt the way that you interact with your children in some ways. Helps it, but it does. It's different. Um, it's going to stretch and stress you in some ways, and especially if you don't have your mission in view at all times. Um, so, so homeschooling kind of puts a wedge in everything. All of a sudden, you're not just mom, just keeping house, just, you know, planning meals, just doing all of these things that you love and you're privileged to do. You're now also carrying the full-time load of educating one, two, four, seven, however many children that you have. Um, so there is a lot and you still need to be husband or wife, depending on uh, who is the primary homeschooler, to your spouse. That's also very, very important. So it's really critical that we set in stone some non-negotiables this year, that if we just get these few things done, two, three, whatever it works for you, then you know that you're going to have that sense of accomplishment, that little sense of peace that comes from checking the boxes. We all like to do that, right? Um, but it's going to change the way that you approach your day and interact with it. Um, these things were different for me through the years. Um, and so I want to go back and just tell you a couple that really have kind of stood the, the test of time. Um, and then I want you to really think through what would be your non-negotiables? What are those things that, you know, if you just do these things, it's going to change the whole course of the day. For me, the first thing was, um, and continues, that I want to have my kitchen cleaned before I go to bed. I don't want to wake up to a messy kitchen. Why? Well, if I do that, then when I come downstairs in the morning, get my coffee, I am not confronted with my failures from the moment my feet hit the floor. Whereas emotionally, if I come down and the kitchen is a mess and I haven't taken the time to do the dishes, I'm starting my day out behind. I am distracted from the beginning. I am, am kind of off balance. It's going to impact the way I, I respond to my husband and my children. It's going to impact the way that I can do the job that I've been called to do because I kind of have this sense of failure from the very beginning. Whereas if I take the time to just 
clean up, make sure my kitchen is nice and tidy and wiped down and the dishes are done. Um, even though I, I still put the dishes away in the morning, you know, I, I have run the dishwasher at night, I put them away in the morning, but I don't come down to a messy kitchen. I can get my coffee, go off, do my devotions, and there is a measure of peace that that really kind of awakens me. And then that's going to spill over into the rest of my family, because we all know that as goes mom, so goes the rest of the family, generally speaking. Um, so for me, having that clean kitchen in the morning is a really big deal. I'm a morning person. And if you throw off my morning, you have a lot of power to throw off my whole day. So that one little tweak, it's not a big thing. You know, I have kids that can help me clean up the kitchen after dinner. I have, um, you know, I have a Roomba now, which has been a great blessing who can kind of sweep over my floor. Um, so there's a lot of tools that can help me do that. Didn't have those things necessarily uh, when the kids were really, really little, but it still was just one easy thing that I can just put as my set in stone before I go to bed. I want my kitchen cleaned so that I can then start my morning off in peace. Um, the second thing that I I have always, um, or that we have done through the years that was a really big deal was I divided my house into zones uh, and each child had a zone of responsibility. Now this had nothing to do with their room. It didn't really have to do with their morning routine, which we will talk about in a minute. Um, this was just, I divided our downstairs and our bathrooms into four zones because I have four children and it started out every day after dinner, you just have to go through and tidy up your zone, generally like a five minute tidy. Um, because when I step, stepped back from the mess and the chaos, I realized that most of what I'm struggling with and most of what is so overwhelming to me is really just trash or stuff that didn't get put away or things that just need to be you know, moved over, stacked, done something with. And all of a sudden it kind of changes the entire appearance of our home. So when they were young, right after dinner, four zones, divide and conquer, tidy it up, no big deal. Um, then you come down in the morning again and things just have a different appearance. Now, um, that shifted through the years. And honestly, now my kids are living here, but I've got three in college and they are in and out at just very sporadic times and we do things quite differently. Um, but for, for most of you, uh, the way that we did it while they were growing up would be great. It works so well. It's just a tidy. And then every once in a while, I would ask him to wipe stuff down. But honestly, um, I found through the years that my house was often not vacuumed or dusted or mopped nearly as much as I would like. And I had to kind of lay that down. I had to recognize that perfect is often the enemy of done, as David and I talked about in a podcast recently. And I had to find my what, what concessions I was willing to make in order to bring peace to my home. If I were to focus just on perfect, I want this to be impeccably done, spotless, whatever that that perfect is for you, I was often allowing that to, to throw me off, to put wedges in my relationship with my children. You know, the Bible talks about provoking your children to wrath, uh, specifically to the fathers, but the principle holds both ways. Um, and though that provoking is really just kind of putting a little wedge in and then beating on it until the crack in that relationship is really, really 
deep. Um, and for some of us, for me included, the the idea of perfect, the idea of the things that we just hold on so tightly can easily provoke, can easily put that wedge in those relationships. And so I encourage you to find what you can be comfortable with Make the concessions that you need to, because remember, your mission is bigger than just a perfectly dusted or perfectly vacuumed house. Your mission is to raise children who love God and love others and are prepared to walk through whatever door they open to or the Lord opens for them, um, if you're in my family anyway. Uh, so know your mission. That's going to inform what your non-negotiables need to be. Um, so for me, again, one, that kitchen cleaned up at night, two, having the children kind of help with zones, it just gave a measure of peace uh, to what we did. And then the third, um, well, I, I guess for me, the third thing was making my bed at night or in the morning, because if I got up to my room during the day, which when they were younger was very rare, but if I did, there was a measure of peace about just having a bed that was made. Um, but most days I didn't even make it up to my room during the day, but at night when I would fall, you know, stumble up to bed so exhausted, having those tight sheets and the everything made and orderly was just so much more restful. So those were kind of my three home non-negotiables that when I implemented those things, they didn't take much time at all. They really didn't take my focus away from homeschooling at all. It was a way that we could all work together because it was through zones and it gave so much peace and so much um, calm to our family because we weren't fighting the mess all the time. I'm sure you found as I have that when things are disorderly, when things are chaotic, when there is trash and mess and, and things are just all out of kilter, you probably can't think as clearly as you can because the distractions are everywhere. But I promise you that your children can't think and work as clearly as uh, they would like to be because of those distractions everywhere. So um, just taking a little bit of time, figuring out what those non-negotiables are for you. They may not look the same as mine did, um, and that's okay. But what are those non-negotiables that really will add a lot of peace and not take a lot of time? And you can feel this great sense of accomplishment going into all of your homeschool days. Um, and it just takes a weight off. I'm, I just can't stress it enough. These things are so small and so insignificant. When you look at them one by one, they seem so like such no-brainers. But when you just really kind of put out, these are the things we're going to do every day. And this is this is it. This is all I'm asking. It changes so much. So number one, know your mission. Number two, know your non-negotiables. And then number three, I want to encourage you to set up a morning routine. How are you going to start your day? The reason that is so important is that if you know how you're going to start your day, you're really setting the pace, setting um, the stage for how the entire rest of your day is going to go. If you don't have a plan for your morning, you're going to be a lot more likely to just kind of fritter time away, get started late. Um really be frustrated as you move in and you're like frantically trying to get stuff done that could have been all set the stage for in the morning. So for me, really throughout their lives, again, I am at a very different stage of my life now than a lot of you are because my children are basically grown. But even when they were very, very young, and that's what I'm going to talk about um, today is when they were much younger, my morning routine was and still as much as is possible remains, I would get up before the kids did. I was fortunate in that I had children um, that, you know, once they were beyond baby stage, did not sleep 
or did not wake up super early. So I was always able to get it before them. That was a big deal to me because then I was able to have my coffee in my clean kitchen, um, but have my coffee, have my devotions, have my quiet time with God, set my mind, fix my heart on the matters of the day. And then from there, once that non-negotiable, because my time with God was non-negotiable, once that happened, I was able to wake them up. They then were able to have their time with God uh, while I you know, took a walk in the neighborhood or did some exercise, something um, just to kind of get myself some activity while they were kind of starting their day, brushing their teeth, doing their morning routines, that kind of thing. All of that then kind of culminated with us coming together at the table for breakfast, for um, our morning devotions time, for uh, then that would spill over into whatever subjects we were doing together. Um, and I want to stop there just a second on that morning time, because that was a precious, precious time that we had for a lot of years and that God used in ways that I would have never imagined. When the kids were really young, they would we I always would start bringing them together for breakfast and I would start sharing with them what God had shown me in my devotions. The only reason that I started doing that, that I can tell you now, is that God was answering prayers that I didn't even fully know I was praying. I, He gave me ideas and gave David ideas all along the way that as we look back, just God used in such mighty ways, but it was him answering prayers very actively in our lives um, for our children, for discipleship, for relationships, all of these things. Um, and so God is so faithful to be answering prayers that we aren't even that cognizant that we're, we're asking. Um, so, way, way back when, when they were way too young to, to read or anything else, I started telling them day by day what God was teaching me in my devotions. And so then as they got older, it became very natural for them to have their own devotions. In fact, I realized when they were, you know, in upper elementary, middle school, really starting to read their Bibles for themselves and such, it dawned on me that the only thing that they had ever seen was that Christians get up early because daddy and I did and had our devotions and then talk about it because they were with us all the time. That's what we were modeling what Christians do. And so it was very natural for them if they're going to be Christians, if they want to walk as a Christ follower walks, they get up early, they have their devotions and we talked about it. And so we were able through the years to see how God was teaching them, to see them grow in their faith. Um, so at that morning time, and it starts out very, very young, very sweet. And it's grown now to where they're in college, where if we're able to come together in the morning, our conversations are deep and intense and phenomenal. Um, and But it's a growth. It's a growth through the years. Um, but it started with just coming together. Then we would move into whatever subjects we did together, reading history, reading literature, reading science, doing unit studies, whatever it was that was on our plates at that stage of life, we would do those things together and we would talk about it and we would learn and we would do the projects. And we, so we were starting our day off with all of these life giving things God's word, study of history, conversation, relationship buildings, projects, all of these things. Um, so that we weren't, um, we weren't hating homeschool. We weren't starting our days off with the things that were really hard. We were starting our days off with the things that brought joy. Then I would generally send them to get some activity after we finish that. Now I'm telling you, those together times would often stretch for an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. 
because we were enjoying it so much. We were having so much fun together. The conversations were so, so good. Um, and or they would want to dive deeper. So we'd get on the Internet and start, you know, pulling on these threads of something we read about in history or science or, or whatever. And we were learning more and taking these educational detours that give such insight into the hearts and the minds of your children um, that you would never see if they were in public school or private school. So you get a front row seat to see what really turns them on, what gets them excited. And then you're able to instill that love of learning by saying, yeah, let's learn more about this. Um, so those morning times would often stretch for quite some time. Always, always awesome times. Um, but at the end of those morning times, I would send them out to get some activity, go outside and play, um, run around the house, jump on the trampoline, whatever it was, go shoot some baskets. Um, because children need activity. They need exercise. They need fresh air. They need to be outside. So while they were playing, while they were getting some energy out there in the middle, I would clean up the morning dishes, um, you know, wipe things down again, set things back to right. Um, and then they would come in getting the exercise that they needed to help their brains function better. And we'd start on the harder subjects, the math, the English, the things that um, may not be quite as enjoyable for some of them. Um, but we were doing it after already setting the stage for our day with relational time together. Then we were able to tackle those harder things um, and avoid a lot of the struggles that come along with them. Um, so setting out what your morning needs to look like is that third really important element of starting off your homeschool the best way that you possibly can. Um, so I hope that these have been helpful. I hope that you have found some ideas that may help you start formulating what your non-negotiables are or how your morning should be set up. Um, but most of all, I want to encourage you, first of all, know your mission. I promise you that will inform everything else that you do. Look at Heart School, get that Goals ebook. All of those resources that we have for you is going to really, truly help you formulate um, that mission statement for your family. And that's going to give you um, just an anchor to hold on to as, you know, the waters tend to get a little rough in homeschooling sometimes. Um, so know your mission to know your non-negotiables, uh, figure out what they are for you. Again, mine were, were actually pretty practical, just bringing peace to my home. That may not matter to you. Uh, so whatever it is that is your non-negotiable, know what that is, and then just set an easy plan in place to accomplish those. And then number three, know what your mornings need to look like. Set the stage for your day, and the rest of your day will go so much better. And you'll find that as goes your days, so goes your year. So uh, I hope that you have really gotten a lot of meat out of this quick start guide and that this new homeschool year is the best you have ever had. Another great way to ensure your best homeschool year ever is to join us in Teach Them Diligently 365. Membership in TTD 365 will give you access to thousands of homeschool resources available on demand. Workshops from speakers like Dr. Kathy Cook, Heidi St. John, Sonia Schaefer, Kim Sorges, and countless others. It's our community elements, though, that really set TTD 365 apart. Small community groups build strong friendships. Monthly Moms Nights give us all the fun evening of fellowship together. And Real Moms of 365 give us time to share with one another in an incredible, helpful way as we're all growing together. I can't encourage you strongly enough to join us there.
Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash join TTD 365 to learn more and join us there today.